Welcome to the ultimate crowdsourced personal finance show. This is your Friday Roundup. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. All right, excited to talk a little bit about market volatility and also thank Brad because when you got back, the first thing you did was give me back my Atomic Habits book. <laughs> yeah, it only took shaming Laura in front of uh, maybe a couple hundred thousand people. She's like, here's the book, give it back to Jonathan and it's back the I very first morning. I want to hear about this again. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally, I had to take her bookmark out. It was very sad. <laughs> no, she did finish it though, didn't she? Tell me, yeah. she, okay. No, I, <laughs> well, actually, you know, I, I am grateful for that. But really, um, I wanted to say welcome back, man. I know you got back from New York, safe yeah. travels back, and uh, glad to have you. How was it? Yeah, it was great. This ends my month, I guess the Red X month, as Vincent Puglisi called it. We take August off. We put a big Red X through the calendar, metaphorically, and take it off. We're not working. We were in Hawaii for three weeks, and then we went up and visited Laura's family. Actually, what's really funny is my parents are literally moving to Richmond this week. Did I even tell you this? Well, yeah, but I didn't know it was going to be this week. That's yeah, awesome. So they closed in their place on Monday and they moved while I was up in New York. So we didn't see them, oh, which awesome. is funny. But yeah, we just had a really nice week-long vacation there visiting family. And then actually I headed into the city for the uh, New York City premiere of Playing With Fire, yeah. which was cool. Yeah, no, that was a pretty cool event because I know that it was really well attended. It sold out within just a couple of days. Gene Chatsky, Scott came down, Taylor was there, yeah. Vicky Robin yeah. came. Yeah. I think yeah, Grant-, Grant was there, Travis as well, and uh, Julian Kirsten from Rich and Regular. So it was like half the cast. It was wild. So yeah, it was just a good event. It was neat because we posted it in our Long Island group and in our New York City group. And the thing sold out in under 24 hours, which was remarkable. So there's definitely a lot of choose it by people there, which is cool having, you know, it's always nice to meet our listeners and meet people who, for whatever reason, whatever weird alchemy that we talk on this podcast helps people take action. You know, it's as we always say, it's not about us. It's about them getting up off the couch and taking action. I heard so many just super cool stories. So yeah, that was neat. And I wanted to mention, this is just kind of going back to like, the ethos of FI, which is which is community and which is getting past the BS pleasantries, which I find just so liberating about when you meet with FI people. So actually the night before on Wednesday night, eight of us went out to dinner. So uh, Dom Cortuccio, who's been on the podcast a bunch of times, Scott and Taylor, Kelly and Jake, uh, we met Kelly at Chautauqua and uh, my buddy, Justin. And so he was the only non-Fi person. And, non-Fi uh, yeah. person. Mm. But Fi <laughs> sensibilities, but he lives a uh, New York City lifestyle. What he, does that mean? You got to throw all of New York City under yeah, the bus? No, 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 no. He lives a Justin lifestyle. You were there for one day. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's kind of a player in the commercial real estate scene there. And uh, he goes out to dinner probably 300 nights a year. He literally came up to me afterwards. And I mean, we had a five-hour dinner. We just sat there talking and just having an amazing time. He came up to me after, he's like, I've probably gone out to 2000 dinners in the last decade, and this was the best one by a mile. It wasn't even close. He's like, I don't know what it was, but people were just so open. They were willing to talk. We talked about real stuff. It was it was amazing. It was one of, the, as Jonathan would say, it's one of those chills down your spine type moments. It's like, this is the Phi community. These are the type of people that are in the Phi community. And it, it's hard to put into words. Like, I can't tell you why that was the case, but people are open and they wanna talk and they want to connect. We've seen that in our local groups all throughout the world. And it, it just, it continues to inspire and amaze me really. That is awesome, dude. And I'm so glad that it was that just fantastic of an evening. And um, yeah, this whole journey, really watching the screening tour go to all these cities around the, around the country and really being a way to mobilize these local groups to really, you know, if they hadn't already had a single local event to really come together around and do this has been a great 
platform to continue these conversations and foster these types of relationships. So excited to see this one happen and really, you know, can't wait to see all the additional screenings and potentially when this goes to a larger platform like a Netflix or an Amazon or something like that, hopefully it will still then be a platform to engage someone and have these types of conversations. Yeah. And it's cool seeing these events come together throughout the country where choose if I local groups, they're the ones attending these screenings. We've seen that all across the country and it helps them get their community closer. They meet people every time they get together. You just, you meet new people, you make new friends that who knows when you're going to see them as a, a lifelong friend. So, I mean, it's, it's really super cool. And I actually saw that on uh, Long Island. So I went to a Choose Up by Long Island meetup actually at uh, Brad Finn's, who's a community member, his brewery in Bayshore called Dubco. It was just fantastic. I got to meet probably about 25 people. There were three couples who I was talking with for a while, and they're like, we're all making a date night out of going into New York City for the Playing With Fire premiere. Then I hung out with them there, and these are friends now. I mean, these were people who I quite literally had never met before, except for our admins there, but two of the couples I hadn't met, and now they're friends. And that's just, it's its just so neat to see. I, I've seen this in Maui now. I've seen it in Long Island. I've seen it in New York City. I've seen it all across the country. its It's amazing to meet people and just grow that group of people you consider friends. I just, I, I truly love it. It's, it's enriching my life more than I can imagine. And for everybody out there, join your local group. We're not just paying lip service to this. This is stuff we are living in our lives. And it really is important. Yeah, I think there is a tendency to live a very insular life and being a part of one of these communities, it's hard to express. I, I don't just see it in, in, as an example in your life or in my life, but I see it in the people in our communities that are really leaning into this. They're finding friends from not just in, all over their state or all over the country, all over the world. Perfect example being some of the various conferences and meetups that we end up going to. You connect with these people once, you see them again. Because although it is an increasingly large community, it's a very close-knit community. We know each other. We talk to each other and we go to these various events almost kind of on a calendar. And so there is a way to massively expand and transform your network. And it is important to have a network. I mean, in a world where everything's digital, these in real life relationships really matter. Speaking of newest community members, my neighbor texted me last week and said, hey, by the way, did you see that uh, Andrew Luck is embracing fire? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I, this popped up on my screen, a guy, I mean, technically, I know there's some injuries in the background, but technically you would think of him franchise quarterback peak of his, you know, career walks away from something that is an aspirational goal for so many. And you do it until they kick you out. He says, I think I'm going to walk away. You're a sports fan. Uh, did this rock your world? No, I mean, I was very impressed. I know Andrew Luck took a ton of flack for this. I mean, he really did. I don't know if you followed the articles or not, but people were just crushing him. I think some people had in their, his defense, their defense, they had just bought his Jersey that night. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fair, but it's a collector's item. <laughs> yes. It's a but limited in, edition. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I mean, people had this bizarre feeling that he owed them <sighs> something. And this is a guy who's 29 years old. He's probably been playing football for 20 years. He just had enough, right? I mean, his body was breaking down. He didn't want to be basically crippled both mentally and physically for the rest of his life. And obviously by any measure, he'd reach financial independence. He just made a decision for him. I think like we're always talking about here, it's based on what you value. What do you want your life to look like? This guy playing for seven more years and certainly making the hall of fame and, and all this other stuff, maybe that just wasn't what he valued anymore. He valued his health. He valued spending time with family and friends and loved ones. Who are we to say this guy shouldn't retire just because we think he owes something to us? Like, I mean, that, that just seems very silly to me. So I know it's a difficult choice because who makes that choice? Nobody does. But that must have made it all the more difficult for him and all the more impressive, frankly, because he knew he was going to get crushed. He knew every sports radio station in the country was going to destroy him for weeks on this, but he did it anyway because he felt that strongly enough about it. So for me, it's a big hats off, but I know this is a legitimate point of conversation of some people agree, some people disagree. That is my personal opinion, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'm pretty impressed. There was something you said in there that I want to extrapolate out. And it was talking about, you know, who do you owe? You know, do you, do you owe this franchise your life, your best years, because they gave you a chance, because they, you, they raised your, your platform. Forget about Andrew Luck. 
in your own life with your own financial independence goals, do you stay in a job out of some level of guilt, not based on the math or your numbers, but because you just feel guilty about walking away? Why should you have this opportunity? Why should you be able to do this when there's somebody that's just there forever, right? I mean, when you, I think some people, when they make a decision to leave their safe standard narrative and do something else, pick this alternate path, there's a lot of guilt that you have to work through in many cases for people like that until you've been able to rationalize it and say, you know what, I'm designing my own future and I'm picking goals that are based around my own values. I'm not buying into somebody else's. I'm not trying to live your life. You know, I'm not trying to tell you, tell me what my life should look like and I'll follow that path. I'm making intentional choices around what I want my life to look like. Andrew Luck did this. I needed this in a much more difficult situation than many of us, a much higher profile situation. How much easier should it be for us to, first of all, in the background, take care of our finances, set goals for our financial life so that we can do this in a responsible way. But when it, when it comes down to it and we want to make that choice, whether it be retirement, whether it be moving completely out of the industry that you dedicated the last six or seven years to, or eight years, 12 years. I dedicated eight years to a career that I am no longer in. Was there a little bit of guilt? Oh, wow, I took a seat at the table. I was there. Am I allowed to walk away? I didn't really struggle with that guilt personally, but I know a lot of doctors yeah. struggle with that. That's exactly where I was going next with this, which is I've heard this from hundreds of doctors in our community. And certainly there are many tens of thousands of physicians in our community who are pursuing FI. And I know they struggle with this. They feel that there is some obligation, I don't know, to the public or some such, because obviously they are doing a great good in the world. Like to me, that just seems so binary. Either I'm adding value as a doctor or I'm not. And a lot of that is tied to identity. A lot of doctors do get their identity from, from their job, but it's not that binary. I mean, we see this with teachers as well. I mean, they're doing a great good. They're teaching young children. I mean, that is crucial. It's crucial for society, but are they not gonna be teachers in some capacity once they get out? I and mean, couldn't they do it in some other way? Could they do one-on-one -on -one tutoring? Could they do other things that fulfills that need inside them and also takes those incredible skills and pays it forward in some sense? So I don't see it as just, again, this false narrative of retirement, of I'm sitting on a beach sipping umbrella drinks. Like that's not the way I look at it. So I don't see it as zero or one. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that as well. But the important part is really evaluate what it is that you want your life to look like and don't feel like you need to be trapped by what other people tell you that you have to do. This isn't really about careers. Those two kind of, my wife is a teacher. Uh, certainly we've had doctors express that. So that's kind of top of our radar. But where is the guilt that you're feeling and figure out whether or not that's internal, whether or not that is an external force that's being placed upon you. And you can just realize that, set it to the side and move on with your day. Maybe there's something there. So the other thing I wanted to mention, I pulled up my phone and I, and I swiped to the left. And in this case, I'm looking at my Google news articles that are being suggested for me. And I saw that this really well-respected economist uh, who called the 2008 recession had predicted another recession and it was going to crush millennials, et cetera, et cetera. And I just had the sense that I'd heard this name before. So I went ahead and clicked on the article to my slight regret. And the guy's name was Peter Schiff. I don't normally call people out by name, but I do specifically remember reading his book Crash. And then I think there's like a Crash 2.0. Like, I think this guy didn't just call the 2008 recession. I think he called 26 out of the last two recessions. <laughs> Does it count when you call a recession every single year? Does it still count? <laughs> Soapbox, not over, but I'm going to pause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. And I mean, we don't know what the future holds. He right? will be right eventually. I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously. He'll be right. But I mean, people... Yeah, to your point, people don't really get in trouble when they're brilliant predictions of this expert, right? Like, why is he an expert? Not if their article gets a ton of clicks. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say. And obviously, that's not to minimize people's thoughts. Now, there's been significant volatility in the stock market, obviously. We've seen that. But I don't know about you, but, but I didn't even know this was going on. I mean, that truly is how little I pay attention to the stock market at this point, because I have my plan. I have my plan of investing in low-cost index funds. For me personally, that's, that's my investing strategy. Every month, every year, every decade going forward. And sometimes I'll buy when the market's up. Sometimes I'll buy when it's down. But I think when I wake up 50 years from now, there's a decent likelihood I'm going to have many, many, many millions of dollars. And I don't get caught up in just that, that horrible negative spiral of emotion, which is what it is. I saw a college buddy of mine 
post on Facebook about this. And I'm, he, you know, the sky is falling and everybody's like talking about all this geopolitical nonsense. And I'm just like, guys, just buy index funds every week and you're going to wake up happy. And I, I promise, like, stop worrying about it. There's nothing you can do, frankly. And that's not advice to stick your head in the sand, but it's advice to not make irrational choices based on setting the plan, right? Who We've talked to multiple people who said they have an investing profile, right? White Coat Investor, I think you can talk eloquently about that, is you set your investing plan, and unless something dramatic changes in that plan, you stay the course. You don't just change based on emotion. Yeah, there's actually two or three points that I wanna make or talk about in relation to this conversation. The first one being the investor policy statement that you were discussing. When you're in a strong, rational place, that's when you set your investor policy statement. If you're one of these individuals that needs it, you make those decisions, not when you're freaking out when the market's falling, because when you're freaking out and the market's falling, that's not the time to call an audible. That's the time to go back to your, when you were in a good frame of mind, what you said you would do when the market fell and then follow that. Now, there's two types of individuals that might be listening to this. People that are in the, well, maybe three, people that are in the accumulation phase. You are just starting your journey. You have no net worth or small net worth, or maybe you're just on the path, but you've got a 10 to 15, 20 year window before you're gonna need this money. Those that are maybe approaching drawdown. So they're within five years of needing this money. And those that are in drawdown, those are kind of like the three different you know phases. For individuals that are in the accumulation phase, you've got this 10, 15, 20 year window. If the market goes down by 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50% for you with an individual that has a job, as long as you have that job, then everything else is gravy. I mean, you have, you're getting this on sale. The, the market is the only thing. The stock market is the only thing that when it goes down, when it goes on sale, people freak out about it. It is a good thing for you. Buy it for less. Why pay more when you can pay less? The market spends 90% of the time at or near the top. Andrew and Zach, who do our video editing, I think there's an image on our, on our YouTube channel we could throw up here, and it's called This Is The Top. And you can look at the stock market over basically since inception, when they started tracking it, to now, and you can see the peaks. And they say, this is the top. The market's gonna crash and Armageddon's here, it's over. And it does this, and then it does that, and it just keeps going up inexorably over time. And the blips look insignificant when you have windows like 10, 15, 20 years. You want to invest when it's going up. You want to invest when it's going down. When you're inside that five-year window, you want to start thinking about, all right, when do I need to start pulling some chips off the table because I can't handle that volatility at exit. And when you're in drawdown, that changes as well. That That's fine. But don't be freaking out right now. Instead, view it as an opportunity. And if you can just kind of remove that anxiety and just have a plan for your life, you're going to end up in a really good place. There was something else I wanted to say, and this was some feedback that came back to me from someone in our community. This is get rich quickish because it's based on simple math. This is not get rich quick. But as you start to develop net worth, you're going to start having sharks circling the water around you, trying to come up with a plan for you and your money. And those of you that are starting later in life and feel like you have a smaller window, feel like you need to make up for lost time, those are the ones they're really going to target with maybe advanced leverage schemes. And honestly, I love real estate in theory. Like I, I love the idea of it, but there are some really scammy people in the real estate space and you are looked at in many cases as a mark. And honestly, this is one of the things I love. I love bigger pockets. One of the reasons bigger pockets happened as a, as a show was because one of the founders struggled with sharks early on. He wanted a way to crowdsource the information, get to the heart of it, and find a way to help an audience weed through good information versus bad. They're out there. And, and if you feel like you need to make up for lost time, you're looking for something to do better than average. And it's not based on simple math, but rather it's based on advanced leverage or, I don't know, some, some seminar that you're going to on the weekend with an upsell just be very, very cautious, very, very cautious. If you can think about things in terms of 10-year timelines, you do not need get-rich-quick schemes. In fact, get-rich-quick schemes will likely end up with you bitter and angry and your money in someone else's pocket. Let's focus on simple math. Let's focus on controlling what we can control and make sure you vet the people, the resources that you're leaning into. It's incredibly critical. And I just want to watch out for the people that are finding this later and are looking to make up for 20 or 30 years. Let's focus on simple math. Let's not get bogged down and get rich quick schemes. Yeah, my most succinct follow-up to that would be, there's no secret to life. I know lots of people who you would think have some secret 
but it, it's just simply not there. I know everybody's looking for that scheme. They're looking for that one little piece of information that's going to make all the difference. I don't think success in life works that way. I really don't. Don't fall prey to someone else. I think it's probably the easiest way to put it. I have more in the real estate space, and this is kind of personal because I've just kind of heard it creeping up at the sidelines. So maybe I have some stories that I can share in the future, but you see themes like popping up like, hey, become a millionaire with real estate with zero money down. Use everybody else's money. Use leverage. You don't need to be involved with your, use everybody. It's not going to work. It's not going to end up well. Don't fall for it. <laughs> you know, there may be a way to do this at the margins, but I promise you, like if it were as easy as the individuals marketing it, making it sound, they wouldn't be sharing it with you. They're not sharing their net worth. They're sharing your projected returns. You know, get rich quick can take on many different forms, whether it be penny stocks, Bitcoin, you know, maybe Bitcoin is the strategic long-term investment, <laughs> but you know, it, it does. It's marketed in many cases out of FOMO or fear. You're going to miss the ride. Real estate, same deal with a lot of these like over leveraged or highly leveraged situations. And in my case is control what you control, focus on simple math. There's this amazing quote from Vicki Robin in the Playing With Fire documentary. And it says that without financial literacy, you're a pawn. With financial literacy, you're sovereign. Take some agency in your life. You know the rules. You know how this works. Focus on simple steps. Focus on taking action, but don't let someone sell you on something that isn't in your best interest. Yeah, that quote certainly always gives me chills. And I think something you said in there was really crucial. I just wanted to kind of dial in on it, which is if these people had a billion dollar idea, why would they sell it to you for two ninety seven? Out of the goodness right? of their heart. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So, <laughs> you know, I've seen that, and and I've thought that since I was like nineteen years old when I had a internship at a stockbroker company. Like, if they had this brilliant ability to pick stocks, why the heck would they be wasting time cold calling everyone on Long Island? Why would they do that? You are the sense. mark. Yeah. You are the profit so, center. It's you. Yeah. Just, uh, just. Keep your eyes open, I think is really our advice here. And life is pretty simple from what I've found. Just the key to life is simplicity. And if you're confused by something and somebody's trying to fast talk you, run away as far and as fast as you can. All right, Brad, well, let's go ahead and switch gears. I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about this past week's episode with Ed Beyond Fi. The amazing, most encouraging thing about the financial independence community is the vast majority of our audience, we, we actually did a survey recently, and we'll talk about a few of those results that came back down the road. But one of the things that came back is the vast majority of our audience is views financial independence as an option within 10 years, based on the information that's been given that's on their horizon. So that means that increasingly, since this is based on simple math, at the end of this 10-year window, people in our community will be beyond FI. And hopefully we will have been with them as a companion, as part of that journey. And they're going to be sharing with us what they're doing on the other side of that mark, that metric that they've hit, where they feel that now they can make choices regardless of the finances. They can design a life that is basically, what, what, is, what do I want to do? Now, I only say that to say that with Ed, we got this rare opportunity to explore the story of someone that is frankly working harder than I could ever possibly almost put into words. It's really hard for me to describe on this podcast how hard he works at everything that he commits to. It has nothing to do with compensation at all. It's completely, those two are running in two completely separate directions and he's doing it because he is following and he's acting on, I don't know, he's he's on a mission and he believes in this, in this job that he's taken on. Yeah, and like you said, he is truly beyond Phi in- any measure. But like he said in the podcast, I believe in financial independence. I believe in financial independence. And this is the project of our lives. This is the project of Ed's life, his wife, Michelle, his whole family has dove into this community. Like, I mean, like you said, it, it's hard to put into words. It really is. I'm stumbling over my words, but it's hard to describe how much Ed cares about the financial independence community and the choose a buy community. It is quite literally hard to describe, but he cares at a level because as we've said before, as, as Pete, Mr. Money Mustache said on our show, this is fundamentally right. And when you find something like that in life and you have the time, the energy, the experience, and the resources to devote to helping 
spread this message, not because you want to do something odd or enrich yourself. It's because you want to help people. Well, if you have those resources, you have that time, why not jump into it? That is what Ed has done. I mean, Ed has to do none of this, right? Like he could sit on the beach and relax. But he said in the episode, I'll never retire. And it's because he cares so much. It makes me want to be better at Chooseify. Like Ed is better at Chooseify than I am. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's not even close. <laughs> and I'm the co-host of this podcast. I want to be better and raise my level to Ed's level or something close, maybe, you know, 0.25x, you know, Ed's level. I'm never going to be Ed, but it's inspiring to me. It really is. And I think that's what's cool about Fi is you can find what inspires you. It doesn't have to be the financial independence community. I mean, that would be this weird insular little club, right? It's whatever lights you up. What have you spent time on in your life that you said, wow, maybe someday, maybe someday I'll be able to spend time on that. Maybe someday I can devote my resources and my energy and my experience on that. That's a pretty cool life. And I think with that, it's not about work or not work. It's about directing your energy to things that light you up. So if you are going to work, it better be in something that's not toxic for you. It better be in something that adds value to your life, adds value. And so Ed actually has found a way with this because the things that Ed values is community and he values family, he values relationships. So with Ed, he has found a way to, to weave his family into everything that he does. You know, their kids, spending time with their kids was something that they put an incredible value in. So they wanted to homeschool so that they could travel and they could take their kids with them. And so they did the six month trip around Asia to give their kids this incredible immersive experience, unlike anything that I've ever personally experienced, but it's just, it's, it's truly, what is it that we want to do? What is holding us back from that? Let's remove those limitations and let's go full steam ahead with that. Because of the, the nature of the experiences that Ed has had, I think his worldview is a lot larger than ours. Um, he's just seen more things. He's been a part of search and recovery teams that have had to deal with mass devastation. He's seen extreme levels of poverty. He's seen PTSD. He, you know, he's just, he has been at the vanguard of seeing some really bad stuff out there and see people that come from very disadvantaged stages of life that obviously are not listening to this podcast, right? They're, they don't have access to the information. And if they did, they wouldn't be at a place where they could necessarily use it at the same level because there's like stepping stones for information. The foundation, the sole goal, the foundation that he pitched to us, piloted, is now the executive director of and is now raising massive support for both just, hey, raise my hand, I'm here, volunteer hours, but also funds is to be able to help these disadvantaged populations wherever that may be. It's amazing to see it. I mean, he if this were something that were just like a whim, it would fade. But this is his life's work. And everything that he's done, including partnering with us and working with us, is a tool to be able to serve these individuals. And so, you know, we talked a little bit about the foundation. We'll continue to talk about it in upcoming episodes that's beyond five for me. It's finding out what is it in life that you value? How do you want to have an impact? What does that look like for you? And then truly, this is the most extreme example of designing your future. Whatever that looks like, I'm going to take steps slowly to align my time around that and use my, my years that I have left. We don't have an unlimited amount of time. To me, to look back and say, well, I caught up on Netflix. I'm going to let that one ride. <laughs> This is just, this is amazing. You can get excited about this. You really, you can get so excited about every single chapter. Ed doesn't have midlife crisis. He, he takes decisive action and he improves his life, his family life, and everyone around him. And the cool thing is he's the opposite of insular. He's the opposite of insular. He's going out to the people that really need this the most and finding a way to make their lives better as well. Yeah. I think, like you said in there, this is very personal. Ed is talking about having impact at scale. He said he was working one-on-one -on -one with veterans, but it wasn't scalable. And he said, quote, there's only so much each of us can do as individuals. The thing with volunteering in your community is you, quote, start seeing more and more places where help is needed. So Ed, with his background in organizing, in being able to really marshal resources, he sees scale as the way forward. And that's what we've been blown away with, what he's doing behind the scenes here at Choose If I, and certainly with the foundation especially. But that doesn't mean that you out there, if your impact is one-on-one, -on -one, that that is any less. Because this is personal. This entire journey towards Phi and beyond Phi 
This is a very personal thing. And it's not our place to say, oh, it's only scale or nothing. That is not what we're implying at all. It is very personal. And what you want to do with your time and energy and how you feel you impact the world the best is ultra personal. So I actually, I didn't mention this to you, Jonathan, but yesterday I was riding back from New York City on the Amtrak and the woman sitting next to me was a pediatrician. So she's a, a university professor and she's been a pediatrician for 20 plus years. She had no idea who I was, but she told me I'm starting a not-for-profit. What she sees in her practice in lower income areas, she sees kids falling through the cracks. Her and her brother are leaving their jobs and they are starting a not-for-profit to help individuals. And it's almost like a pay it forward type thing. They hope that by starting small, they can gain momentum. It was neat. And I, you know, I don't have more to the story. I don't have the name of their not-for-profit. It, it literally just started. But I thought it was a cool kind of counterpoint to, you know, we are trying to reach millions of people because we believe that that's the best way. When, when you get financial independence in front of people, when you get financial literacy in front of people, it can make large scale difference. Whereas this woman is trying to start from the very opposite on single individuals and families that just simply need help. Again, I think it's cool that we can all impact the world how we see fit. And it was a funny coincidence that that quite literally was yesterday. Well, you know, to tie a thread to that in, in the scope of, you know, scale versus not scale, scale versus one-on-one, in the scope of financial literacy, um, I actually think that what, Ed is doing at scale, one of the things that we can focus on is providing the tools and the platform to make the one-on-one easier. So if you are, your heart is one-on-one interactions or one-on-five or one-on-ten, then hopefully one of the things we're targeting is can we create a platform to make it easier for you to have those sorts of interactions? And I think that is something that maybe we'll talk about a little bit more in the future, but there is something there as well. We use this as kind of a, a framework to highlight that he has this skill set that it's hard for me to quantify and to describe. So instead we said, Hey, Ed, you go, you're working with an HVAC company. It's week one. What do you do? And then he just blew it up. And if you're an HVAC company, you're like, can I call you? Can we, uh, can we have a talk? (laughs) (laughs) And to be perfectly clear, that was not contrived. We didn't give that to him ahead of the time by any means. I mean, you made that up on the fly. He actually called me back later and said, Hey, can I do it again? I'd like to re-record it. I have some more. And I was like, Nope, <laughs> not gonna happen. <laughs> but it was so good, right? Yeah, it was better that way. Not only was it good, it was better that way because that is how he thinks. And I think getting an insight into the thought process is way more important than the specific details for that HVAC company, right? Absolutely. And actually, Ashley, uh, who is our editor on the website, choosefi.com, she actually messaged uh, Ed to let him know, just so you know, Ed, I got a lot of value from what you did. And also it relates to my backstory. I took over my father's business and he has a, uh, it's a tree service in, in one of the, in the Midwest states. And, uh, she, when she took over that business, her thing was the organization, just the organiz- organizing all of these different parts. And she said, I related to all of those different, cause I had to do all that. I had to do all of that. It was really cool just to kind of hear you set a framework for that. And it strikes me like what he does is so valuable. I don't know if there's a degree for it necessarily, but if you possess the skills, I don't care what degree he has or doesn't has. I've never asked. I don't care if you can do that. You, I mean, basically just how much do we need to pay you? We don't want to lose you. You know, it's, it's one of those situations. And I say that to say there's value for our audience. If at some level, you know, that's you, man, if I could just get my hands on this, I could clean this thing. I could organize it. It would just work. You have that instinct. Don't just put that to the side and follow and be over here where you're doing whatever it is that your degree gives you permission to do. This is the most valuable skill in the world, possibly. If you can cultivate that, if you can express it, if you can sell that vision that you have to any employer, you have a ticket for life and they will compete to hold on to you. I think there's a way for us to come back to this and really, because what he talked about was in, I think there's like an 80, 20 there. There's a system for that. It's a way of thinking, but if you already have the way of thinking, then it's a playbook. This needs to happen. You're coming into a business that just, it's just, it's just kind of treading water, but nobody else is thinking like this. You apply your system and I feel bad for your competition. Yeah, it's one of those things. And this doesn't happen at the HVAC level. This doesn't happen at the local tradesman level. These sorts of things don't exist. If you can be that person, you are the most valuable person in that company and you will be employed for life regardless of what AI does. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I think it's 
the lessons are broadly applicable beyond just a small business. I mean, there's certainly many people out there listening to this who don't have a small business, never intend to, and that's perfectly fine. I, I saw a thread between what Ed was describing he did with Choose I or he would do with this HVAC company to finances, which is where do you start? You take an inventory and you find out where am I today? And then you have to be ruthlessly honest with yourself. Maybe for the first time, when it comes to finances, people don't have any idea. They stick their head in the sand. They're nervous. They know it's not going well, but they're not honest with themselves. Where am I today? You got to put it on paper. You got to put in this business, your strengths, your weaknesses, any type of potential things that are going on, like your employees, everything. You got to put it on paper with your finances. It's the exact same thing. What do I bring in every month? What do I spend every month? What are my debts? Do I have any assets? If so, what are they? You need to be honest or you can never move forward because you're always gonna know that you're lying to yourself somewhere deep down. It's not gonna get better. You can't beat yourself up about whether it's your business, whether you know past things you've done, incorrect people you've hired, et cetera. People make bad decisions. I've made terrible decisions in my life. Jonathan has assuredly, we all have. He's yes, shaking I have. His head yes, I have. I have. That's fantastic. <laughs> no, <Nope. I'm just laughs> no, he's perfect. Just for the reaction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to just move forward and say, "Look, that's a sunk cost. I've made that bad decision. It's over. How can I move forward in the best way possible?" And I think you need to put it in front of you in some way. So I think that is very applicable for really every aspect of getting better in life. Brad, I think there's a lot of takeaways in this, and it's something that I'll be going back and referencing. I, I, there's notes to be taken from that episode, and not just about the foundation, but really, I appreciated the heart of that episode. All right, well, let's go ahead and switch gears. I want to bring in some feedback from our community, and to help us with this, we're going to go ahead and bring MK in. How you doing, MK? Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Happy you're here. What do you got for us today? Well, I have a couple uh, wins from the community that I wanted to share. So a couple weeks ago, we put out a call to the community about how people are hacking college, how people are getting college for less or leaving college with such minimal student loans that they are able to start their adult life on a positive trajectory. So Ryan wrote in, he currently lives in Denver, Colorado, and he kind of shared that he had multiple small items that helped him to get to where he is. So I thought that was really powerful. Um, so he said that his dad worked for the local university, which was Purdue. So he was able to get a bit of a discount on the tuition. So he had a few small scholarships coming in as well. So again, just stacking these little wins, little wins helps him out. Um, the parents put in a little bit of money for him and his brother. So he started going to Purdue in 2004 for engineering. What he said that was really helpful for him was to do a co-op program. Now, if you're not familiar with a co-op program, a lot of college students will do internships over the summer, sometimes paid, sometimes unpaid, and it helps you leave with experience. Well, co-ops have you do six months of full-time work during that time. So you're on and off school and co-op. He said he was able to earn sixty to $70,000 combined with each of his co-op experiences. So he went to school for five years, but in that time, he was able to put this money into um, a Roth IRA at his dad's suggestion. So he started out um, before he even knew about five, before he knew about fire, while on his way now to investing because he put that in Vanguard. Nice. So this was a really great opportunity for him. But with that, if you've done the math, he started in 2004. He graduated in 2009. So speaking to what you were talking about earlier, Jonathan, with market crashes and people panicking, Ryan told us that he said that having this work experience was huge for him. So he said his GPA was decent. He had a 3.5 GPA, nothing special in his words, but I think that's pretty good for engineering. And he said that out of the other students in his class, only those who had the co-op experience really got their resumes in the front door. So in 2009, when nobody's hiring, when a lot of his classmates were saying, I guess I'll get a master's degree, I guess I'll stay and take on more debt and, and get more education because there's no jobs, he was able to get a job. And now 10 years later, he's in Denver, um, he's made some smart decisions along the way, and he thinks he could fire now, but he thinks he's going to work a bit longer um, until he's in his early 30s. Till then, Really you know, hanging in there. 
<laughs> yeah. So honestly, like this is so great. And it shows that it's not just one thing that helped him to get to where he is, that helped him leave college with this great net worth that he was able to invest. It was a lot of little things. So for anybody who's worried that they're about to go to college and what if the market tanks? Well, apparently, you know, do a co-op because you're going to leave with experience. That's going to put you ahead of everybody else. So that's a really awesome one from Ryan. So do a co-op. I feel like we could explore that a little bit further on an upcoming show, really tactics to lock down and find co-ops in your particular field. I'm sure there's some industries that are more likely to have them than others. But um, I mean, I think that's a huge tip. If you can go to college for profit, even if it means you're there an extra year, how many of us think we have to go to school for eight years, come out with 90K in student loan debt? That way we have enough degrees to get the guarantee the job. And then we're making less than just way less than we expected. It's just, that just seems to be, it's a sad trope. All right. I love it. Let's flip this script and congratulations. Huge congratulations to Ryan. Yeah. That's really impressive, Ryan. I love uh, the retirement in the early thirties. I mean, that's the thing. We talk about a 10 year path for many people, whether you start at 22 or 42 or 62, you can always make better choices. Obviously we can't say it's a 10 year path precisely, but this is get rich quick ish. And I think anybody that wants to make decisions that are going to make their life better, 10, 15, 20 years, that's not impractical at all, no matter what your starting point is. And obviously, it's easy when you get everything right from the time you're 18, but that's a cool story. And it, it is replicable. I think that's what you are always hitting on, Jonathan, is you can do this. It's not just some special people. This is normal people doing extraordinary things. But really, at its essence, it's just simple earn more, spend less, invest the difference. There's nothing revolutionary here. But when you stack these small wins, and in Ryan's case, these are small wins. None of them were a home run. You do five, 10, 20 things right, little things, you get extraordinary results. And the word replicable is key, right? Because you don't just do it. You have to see somebody else do it to know that it's possible. There's no like new, original, great idea under the sun. It takes anchoring yourself. Oh, it is possible. I saw someone else do it who had a similar, they were in similar shoes to what I am in now. I can do this and replicate it. What is it that we're replicating? Because it's not just how do I spend less, right? I mean, this there's an overarching framework for this life that you're going to design. Yeah. No, it's about enjoying the journey. And it really is simple. All right, MK, next, I think we have a couple shout outs. Yeah. So our first shout out comes from Julie and her husband. So Julie shared on our Facebook page that she and her husband have been running the same house for the past two and a half years while they were paying down debt. They were thinking, okay, we're probably going to maybe only stay here for another year and a half while we build up a down payment for our home that we would like to purchase. So in the meantime, while they've been running this house, they were making improvements to it with the landlord's permission in exchange for money off the rent. So they were building up these skills, these home improvement skills. They're getting money off their rent. So their landlord came by and saw all the things that they were doing. You know, They talked about their plans and the landlord said, well, I wish you weren't moving out because this is so great. So they very boldly then asked the landlord if he would drop the rent to $500 a month and they would stay for two years. He agreed to it. So they're saving $300 a month off of what they were previously paying that was discounted. And they're going to be able to save up for their real estate empire that they're planning to build. And they're getting these awesome skills as they're improving the house. So Julie and her husband are crushing it. I love that. Building skills all the while. That's a cool aspect of this. And Jonathan, everything is negotiable. I wonder if they said, hey, you know what? We'll prepay it. We'll prepay for this period of time. Maybe it's down to 450. Maybe it's down to 400, right? They did pretty good. Yeah, no, no. They did amazingly well. But what I'm saying is- Brad says they just want you to do better. Oh, no, no, no. I'm thrilled. Don't, sorry, guys. I'm very that was, impressed. That was I, bold. Asking for $300 <laughs> off a month and they got it. I promise I am impressed. But I'm saying to everybody out there, you never know what's negotiable. And they asked the question, what was the downside? They had already pretty much decided we're going to move out. What's the downside to asking the Probably question? Probably the downside would have been he came back with, I can only give you off, I can only take off $200 right, a month. Right. That it's, probably would have been the yeah. downside. Like that's as bad as it would have. That's amazing though, yeah. right? Amazing. Truly amazing. I love it. Incentive alignment. So you're thinking about if you're renting and you're in this situation and you're like, I wonder how negotiable this is. Just put yourself in your landlord's perspective. It may not work, but just you could try. And what do they want? 
they want to prevent vacancies, knowing how the landlords account for vacancies in when they're doing their analysis, just say, all right, well, if you can bank on the fact that for the next two years, you're not going to have any vacancies, I would like just do that math for them. Think like an investor, think like a landlord and say, how much would it be worth to not have vacancies for one year, for two years, for five years? Because we want to be here as long as possible and then see how you can negotiate that down and make that pitch. If you can sell that case, like, you know, you know, if we leave, you're going to have some vacancies here and there, and that's going to cost you on average, et cetera. I don't have that math, Brad, you're a new landlord. You can probably spit it out there, but, um, if you can work that out ahead of time, why not just ask for them up front and then they get someone that's making continual improvements to a project. I bet you there's additional people in our community that could do that. And imagine if you did save a couple hundred bucks a month, what does that mean if you're throwing that towards your investments? Yeah, it's an awesome win for Julie and her family. And Hopefully other people do that as well. So our final shout out is coming from Caitlin uh, in our Facebook group. So Caitlin posted, I just got a kick out of it. It was so funny. Caitlin posted, ha, since I paid off my oldest, largest credit card, the company decided to reward me for handling my credit so well by increasing my limit. Hashtag not today, Satan. <laughs> um, so she got a lot of really great responses and funny gifts there. And I really loved the the positivity and the humor she brought to it. We get so many great humorous posts. And so many people said, well, what does it matter? You're not going to increase your spending anyways. But uh, it was just that funny amount that, okay, I paid it off. Oh, we want you to spend more with us. So I thought that was pretty funny. So way to go, Caitlin, and, and putting that off. Just because you can spend more doesn't mean you have to. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I love that. I love that a lot. Yeah, the other hashtag, thanks for thinking of me, though. <laughs> that that Put that great. in the Christmas card. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the most important thing there is, Caitlin, congrats for paying off the debt. That's fantastic. That must feel liberating. And yeah, it's remarkable. So good for you. Can I get super nerdy on utilization for a second? You can. All right. So uh, we have a travel rewards course that you can find at chooseify.com slash travel. And in that course, we basically tell you how to travel the world for free. But I wanted to say one of the things that people ask is when I get involved with travel rewards, is my credit going to go down? And one of the things that we address in this course is how cards will affect your, your credit, opening new cards will affect your credit. What's one kind of interesting thing that people don't realize is one of the factors that goes into your credit score is your utilization rate. So if you have a hundred dollar credit limit and you use all hundred dollars of that credit limit, you're at hundred percent utilization and that will hurt your credit. If you have $20,000 of a credit card limit and you're using, you know, hundred dollars a month on average, you have a very low utilization, right? You're using a small fraction and that will actually help your credit. And so it's one of the interesting things that you might not think about. We all think about, oh, if I open a card, I'm going to get a slight ding. And if I don't make my payments, I'm going to get a slight ding, but there's actually benefits to having credit that you're not using. And that's one of the reasons that people that open these cards and do these types of programs actually end up having credit in the upper 700s, even low 800s because of the nature of some of these other factors that you don't consider. So uh, Brad, I thought I'd drop a little travel knowledge. Yeah, on that's very impressive. <laughs> yeah. And by some measures, people believe that credit utilization makes up about 30% of your credit score. So actually in this case, Caitlin, unbeknownst to her, by getting this increase in her credit limit, this is going to help her credit score. So it's uh, you know a cool side benefit. I, I love her hashtag. Yeah, I don't want to stop your hashtag so game. It's super please, strong. Yeah, <laughs> keep, keep them coming. But that is a significant factor. So yeah, a nice little ancillary benefit. Thanks for thinking of me though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and switch gears here. MK, I just like from our, one of the things that we always talk about in each show is what is going on with the local groups. And, you know, as community is really starting to form in this financial independent space all around the world, um, when there are new communities that get started, we'd love to announce it. What do you have for us this week? Great. Well, we have two new local groups that formed, one in Humboldt County, California, and the other one in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I think that's how you pronounce that. So if the citizens of Eau Claire, Wisconsin are in revolt, I apologize. <laughs> um, so welcome to the community, guys. And then a final reminder. So today is Friday, September 6th. On Sunday, September 8th, the D.C. local group will be meeting with Brad and Jonathan as they're in town for FinCon. So if you are in the area, we'd love to see you. Yeah, and MK, we have all the details for that meetup listed in the show notes, actually. So for anybody, whether you're a member of the D.C. local group or you're just in for FinCon, you're just part of the Choose of I community, we would love to see you come out. So yeah, the details are in the show notes or in the Choose of I Washington, D.C. local group. All right, my friends. Well, unfortunately, that is going to bring this episode to a close. Now, as you know, we like to finish every episode by doing a drawing for a copy of a book that we have found useful. We give away one book for every five written reviews that we get. We announce a winner on the Friday Roundup. 
MK, how many winners do we have today? Well, today we have one winner and we're going to be changing things up a little bit because of a request made by this winner. So I'll go ahead and read the review and then I'll go over some of those changes. So from Travis, he says, incredible. A year and a half ago at age 27, I set foot on a journey to pay off debt. My fiance and I together have paid off $100,000. About halfway through the journey, I felt I was already planning for the day when I had zero debt. I discovered Choose FI around show 64. I listened and fell in love. I went back to the beginning and caught up and have been listening consistently ever since. Brad and Jonathan's approach to FI is suitable no matter where you are in the journey. They discuss so many practical ways to handle every aspect of life to bring value. My goal is to be debt-free in March of 2020. The plan for the next 10 to 15 years to call it quits with my fiance. We are both nurses. By the way, we have done all of this with three kids, 17, 16, and 12. I am so thankful they get to watch and learn things I was not taught because of this show. From life hacks, scholarship hacks, and setting up your future, everyone needs to continue to spread the fire. P.S. Speaking of optimizing, if I get chosen for the review with the free book, I would love to be in the running to get the Choose a Fi book instead. As you guys say, what's the worst they can say? No. Thanks for everything, Travis. They can say no a hundred times. They only have to say yes once. <laughs> and we will say yes here, Travis. That's fantastic. Yeah. No, but I'd love to do that. So the book, Choose to Find Your Blueprint of Financial Independence, is going to be released on October 1st. But I would obviously like to include our book, MK, as one of the books in the drawing going forward. And the book Correct. is available for pre-sale, MK. So it's not just launching on 10-1, right? Correct. So you can pre-order the book now anywhere that you buy books. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Depository, iBooks. Anywhere that you can think of a book being sold or lended to you, like the library, you can order it now and it will be available for you on October 1st. Now, MK, this, I'm going to sandbag you here, but just something to look into. Uh, we had a message from uh, Choose by Canada and they said that they went to Amazon to order it and it was available on Kindle, but they wanted to see if there was a way to get a hard copy book. Is that something that we can currently do or that we can look into? They should be able to do that. I'll make a note to follow up on that. Awesome. Canada, Amazon. I'm leaving all of that in. <laughs> you heard it. We're making it happen. All right, my friends. The fire is spreading. We'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.